This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Well, good morning, folks. Those that are gathered here in our chapel and those that will be either watching on television or listening on radio, welcome. Welcome to our fellowship here. Dr. Hansen, as you well, you don't know that, but I know that. He's out speaking at another church tomorrow, and so I will be here today. I'm, I like to be called EJ, but uh, I need to say I'm Dr. EJ Buckhart. Uh, I do happen to have a doctor's of theology, uh, which doesn't mean a whole lot, because you can have all the education in the world, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit operating with you, it's a worthwhile thing. Not a, uh, not a worthwhile thing. And I'll give you an example of that, of a pastor who's been a pastor for many years during this message, where he just learned that lesson. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to speak, actually, kind of a Bible study in a way, but it's on Haggai. And I've titled it, Comfort, Hope, and Holiness. The question we need to always ask is, what can we learn from Haggai, the prophet? That is a question we should ask about all Scripture. What can we learn when we read it? We know Scripture is for our enlightenment. Scripture is for our guide to Christ-like living. It's our instructions, and it is our, for our edification. As we open up in Haggai, in chapter 1, 5 through 7, it says, Consider your ways says the Lord. Consider your ways. How often do we stop and consider our ways? I'm sure when you get up in the morning, you say, consider, what am I going to do today? Or before you go to bed last night, what am I going to do tomorrow? Consider what you're going to do. Consider your ways. You need to take into account your lifestyle, your life choices. Are you going to live a worldly life? Or you're going to live a Christ-like life. Think about this and examine yourself. You live for the world, wealth, entertainment, pleasure, enjoyment, or do you live for Jesus Christ? Now let's take a look at the message of Haggai. I want to read the introduction in my Bible to Haggai. It's not in North Bible, but this in the one that I have. And it says, Haggai was a prophet among the Jews who returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity, writing these prophecies in the years of 520 B.C. He urged the return of exiles to make the rebuilding of the temple 
their highest priority. Their work was interrupted by the opposition of hostile neighbors. So Haggai prodded them to continue the work until the work Disney at the building of the church, until the temple was completed. The book of Haggai may serve as an example for Christians to work diligently at the building of the church. Even those that work may encounter temporary setbacks from hostile people. Nothing is more important than proclaiming the gospel by which Christ built his church. Haggai prophecy was back in the year of 520 B.C. I'd like a little side note there. Uh, B.C., before Christ. A.D., I had after death, but it's actually anno dominion. But now in the Gregorian calendar, we have some new times in these last days. They've changed that B.C. and A.D. to B.C.E. and C.E. C.E is the common error. And the B, C, E, is the before the common error. But anyway, the interesting thing about this is it still goes back, both sides, going to Jesus. Before and after. Except in the Jewish calendar, they still have, matter of fact, the year today is 5,785 years, is according to the Jewish calendar. So I was reading the other day, they said, what if people like 10,000 years ago? And the answer was, they really don't know. Well, I, got, I think I have an answer to that one. There wasn't any people back 10,000 years ago. But anyway, I like the idea before Christ and after his death. I like that better. Okay, there's two important points that we have in Haggai, Haggai that I want to point out. The first one is, I will. It's mentioned 12 times in two chapters. I will. I referring to God. And the second one is, is I am with you. And that's two times. If you want to take a quick look at it, I've just listed here. Uh, first one is in chapter 1, verse 8. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. I will glorify, says the Lord. God says he will take pleasure in your work. Understand that. God takes pleasure in your work. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. In verse 6, yep, no, verse 8, Go to, oh, that's the one I read, wasn't it? The eight, verse 8. Okay. Oh, and then, then go to chapter 2. Verse 4. Oh, be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord. That's the one with I am with you. Verse 7, or verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry lands, and I will shake the nations, I, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. In verse 9, it says, The Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace saith the Lord. 
And then over at the end of uh, Haggai in verse 22, And I will overthrow the thongs of the kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of thy brethren, and I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. In that day, says the Lord, I will take, take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and the son, and the Lord, and will shake thee as a signet. I have chosen thee, says the Lord. I will overthrow. I will. I'm thinking of Israel right now, what Israel is going through at this time. A war against evil. But the Lord is telling Israel, I will be with you. I will you see it through. Now, that's the promise of the Lord. If we don't obey that promise and stand on that promise, we'll be, which side will we be on? God says he will. Will I choose him? Will I support him at all cost? Also, when we're talking about I will be with you, remember the words of Joshua. Four times in the first chapter, he says, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and of good courage and be not afraid. I think this is something we need to respond to on a daily basis. God says, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. But you need to be strong and courageous. We have to do that. We have to be strong and courageous and be not afraid. Fear not. How many times in our lives have we had fear? I can remember the first time when I got laid off of my job. I had a very good job. I was a pilot working for Northwest Airlines. December 23rd, just before that famous day people call Christmas, I got a layoff notice. Effective January 4th, after the holiday season. Man, I just lost my job. I don't know how long it's going to be. If you're laid off for two years, you lose your, that's it. You no longer go back to work. Well, I took a couple days off and just kind of relaxed a little bit, did a few things. Got, found myself a job working at Sears and Roebuck. And I've been with them many times on and off. That was the first time. And it happened the second time. And the third time, both on December 23rd. Now, one of them lasted for over years, for over one year. Most of the others were less than six months. One was for a week. But I learned through this, you have to go to work. Just because you lost your job, you go out and find another job, you go to work. The Lord says, work. We just can't sit around and wait for the Lord to say, okay, open up the doors, Lord, and I'll just wait here until the answer comes. No, He's given us a mind. He's given us the ability to work. Unless for some unknown reason, we're totally disabled which then the Lord will still see us through. <clears throat> Are not these words for us today? Now the message for Haggai to three different 
people, so to speak. In chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, the first one is the governor. The governor would be the leadership of the nation. The second one is to the priest. I call that the pastors and the religious leaders. And the third one is the people, the congregations. <clears throat> so if you look at chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, verse uh, 2 basically, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to jo Joshua, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. And verse 4 says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, and be strong, Joshua, and be strong, all ye people, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord. Great promises of God. And you look at the way you started out with, consider your ways, which I want you to do today. Consider your ways. And it actually happens four times in Scripture here. I'll give you the chapters. There's chapter 1, verse 5 and 7. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 18. Consider your ways. Are your ways God's ways? Or are your ways your way? Your ways versus God's ways. They're not the same. Your ways, you live for yourself. Me, myself, and I. That's the triunity of the individual. Me, myself, and I. And I think you all know some people that live that way. Me, myself, and I. And then we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the way we need to live. God's way is to live for Christ and others. We just don't live to serve Christ. We also live to serve others through the love of Christ. So I ask yourself to examine your life today. Examine your life today. Does your life line up with the Word of God? Now that implies something. How do I know if my life lines up with the Word of God? First of all, you've got to know the Word of God. And how do you know the Word of God? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can listen to people that preach and teach. You can read the Word. You can listen to it nowadays on your telephone or your phone, the Bible, or on your computer. But it's the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God if you want to live a life that lines up with the Word. Now, next thing that's interesting that I saw in, in uh, Haggai, it says, Haggai spoke, to, the Lord spoke to Haggai. The Lord spoke to Haggai. But he stirred up the lives of the governor and the lives of the priest and of the people. God speaks through his prophets. But he stirs up yours and my heart to do his will. When God stirs us up, it's Him that's stirring us up. It's not our idea. We don't stir up our life. God stirs it up within us, Lord. 
And then God uses people to do his work here on earth. Once the Lord has stirred up with life, like he did the governor, the priest, and the people, they did what he said, they went to work, and they served the Lord. Question. Has the Lord stirred up your spirit in these recent days? Have you given him a chance to stir up your spirit? Have you taken some time set aside during the day or during the night? Say, Lord, stir my heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. You have a choice. We all have a choice. That's a famous liberal woke thing right now is choice. You have the right to choose. Well, as Christians, we got the right to choose too. There's nothing, anything wrong with the word choice. We have a choice. We can serve God or we can serve ourselves. We can serve God or serve the world. We have to make that choice. Just as a woman and a husband, they have to make the choice whether to get pregnant. That's their choice. The choice to kill the baby is not their choice. That's against the commandments of God and it's against life, period. So we have to be careful. We have to make the right choice to start with, not to have a problem down the road. If we choose to have a baby, we need to choose to give life to that baby. The choice comes back here, what do I do? Do I work at this job? Do I do this? Do I do that? We have that choice to quit. But then we need to do what that job asks us to do. You need to be a good employee. And I remember in David Wilkinson's prayer book, Devotions, he talks about uh, a gentleman who had two ladies that worked in his office. They were amazing women. They did everything right. And normally he didn't find this in his employees. So he had to do some research. And he found out that they went to David Wilkinson Church and Temple at uh, the church in New York City. So this gentleman went to see, the, to see David Wilkinson and see why did these women do what they do. Now, believe it or not, he was a Jew. When would a Jew walk into a church door? When would a Jew go to a revival meeting? The only reason the Jew came into his church because these two ladies were Christ-like. And he wanted to see that. Here's a Jewish man that came to know the Messiah. So what you do at your job is important. You need to be a good employee. At least to do the best you can. Not to gripe, not to complain. But be what you can be. God created us to work and to do a good job to the best of our abilities. In chapter 2, verse 4, again, here is the key that Haggai has for us today. The last part of it says, Be strong, I am with you. Do my work. That's a command. It's a promise. So if you don't think you can do well, you're not listening to the promises of God. He says, Be strong, I will be with you. In all that you do, all that you do, your relationship to your brothers, your sisters, to your husband, to your wife, to your family, to your relatives, to your pastor, 
to your boss. It's important. That's one of the key messages I found in Haggai. We need to be responsible and do the best we can do. I remember sitting on an airplane, commuting back from Detroit to Seattle. <clears throat> the gentleman next to me was a businessman. He owned four or five U-Haul companies, U-Haul places. Now this is back 25 years ago. And we were talking and he says, you know, the hardest thing I have is to find employees who want to work 100%. He says, what they come nowadays, they, what do I need to keep, to keep this job? If I get paid this, what do I have to do for that? They want to do 70%, just enough to get by. He says, it's hard to find an employee that's willing to work hard at what they've been called to do. That's 25 years ago. Boy, a day, if you look out there, it's, it's a lot different. Nobody wants to work. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but there, a lot of people, they don't want to work because they've been able to get blessed and receive what they need, not have to go to work. That is not scripture. So any of you that are out there not working because you figure, I don't need to go to work, I challenge you, if you're a Christian, take heed that you need to work. You need to provide for yourself and your family. And if you go to work, God will provide. If you sit at home and do nothing, don't expect God to provide. You gotta get out there and work. Now when you get older, and to the point where you physically cannot maybe do the work that you did as a construction man, God will still provide if you did well. I'll guarantee you that. Because God is not a liar. He will provide for you if you follow his commands. Friends, what a blessing it is when someone says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you take a marriage commitment vow, isn't that what it's saying? Isn't that what it's saying? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Many of us have violated that, and a lot of people violated that. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I remember as I met, I was born and raised in the Midwest. And usually in the Midwest, you walk down the street and say hi to somebody. Hi there, EJ, hi. You know, you don't have to hey, say hi, they're friendly. You go downtown New York. I spent a lot of time in New York City and layovers. You say hi to somebody, and they just, they just even ignore you. They just keep going. But if you make a friend, a true friend, the friend in Minneapolis, you think they're your friends. But if you do something stupid, and I think we've all done something stupid, they will turn on you, and they don't want anything to do with you because they don't want to be associated with you because you did something bad. In New York, that friend, if you make a friend in New York, He's a friend. And if you do something stupid, I can't use a language here that he will tell you, but you stupid blankety blank blank blank, but I'll be with you. I will see you through this stupid thing that you did. That's the friend of Jesus. A true friend. He won't throw you aside. He will be with you through all circumstances. And how many men and women, well, basically men that you know that are in prison, for murder or whatever the case may be. And now are fantastic preachers. 
ministers of the gospel. Jesus did not abandon them. He stayed with them in spite of that. David, in the Bible, committed adultery. He committed, actually, murder. He had somebody murdered. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God. This shows you that God is good. He will not leave you, nor will he forsake you. Get that through your head. Get it down in your heart. God is with you forever. You have the choice to deny him. You have the choice to turn your back and walk away. That's a dangerous move. A very dangerous move. There is a heaven and then there is a hell. And we need to know that. If you go to Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, 22, For the Lord will not forsake his people. Now, the Lord says he will not forsake his people. You have to be his people. Then he will not forsake you. And for thy great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. God is pleased with you. Look to Hebrews 13, 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. There we go. Oops, sorry about 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with this, such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. But back up there again. Be content with such things as you have. For he says, I will never leave you. Does that mean that you, you, you can have the, all the wealth in the world? You may not have any wealth. If you use it properly, I will be with you. We have a choice in this life, a very important choice that we have to make. Now the question arises, and I'm challenging you, I'm challenging myself. Do you really truly believe, as he said to Jerubba and to Joshua and to the people, I am with you. Consider that. I am with you. I'm going to read, as we get toward the closing here, I received the newsletter from World Challenge, David Wilkerson, now it's Gary, his son. But his son is holding conferences of pastors. And I mentioned a little bit earlier about what I'm getting to now. There were, there were actually hundreds of pastors meeting in New York. And the senior pastor, a senior pastor, Robert, I don't know who he is, was at the conference. And he told us, Pastor Carter, now Carter is the pastor who took over for David Wilkinson in the church. And Pastor Carter's message said that, Lord, if it's not you, I am not going to go. Senior Pastor Robert said, that hit me hard. He said, I've been preaching because I know how, but without God. Here's a pastor many, many years saying, I've been preaching because I know, but I don't know, I've been doing it without God. He says, I've been gambling, I've been grabbing the old passages from the past, 
and reworking them. After Pastor Carter's lessons, the Spirit fell upon me, and I made a dedication. Okay, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm not going to preach anymore until you give me the message. Next Sunday, he says, I may stand up and be silent. If, that, if the Lord doesn't give me anything, that's a scary thought. To stand up appropriate between your congregation. Okay, Lord, open my, my mouth and speak. Paulette Williams, remember, was here last, the last couple Sundays, or Saturdays. Uh, she said when she prays for people, uh, she said her mouth drops open, she says, Lord, fill my mouth. I don't know what to say. And all of a sudden, her lips start to move. This is what he's talking about here. It's a scary thought to be able to stand behind the pulpit. You're going to preach a message, and the Lord hasn't given it to you. But the Lord says, you know, even when you go before leaders of nations at the end times, I will give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. If you look at Paul's life in, in Scripture, the Lord gave him the words to say. If you look at Jesus, as he was going through his last days, there's one time the Lord, the Father told Jesus, shut up, don't say anything. And it touched, it touched the uh, leaders of that nation at that time. They said, we can find no fault with this man. And he never said a word. Think about that. And other times he spoke a lot of words. And it touched the lives of people. Just to continue on a little bit with this. Uh, they had speakers like Nikki Cruz. How many know the name of Nikki Cruz? The sword and the switchblade. David Wilkerson. He was one of the speakers there. Totally filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, these men stood up and poured out their hearts to these men and women and, call, and God has called, the, who had God has called to the church. And the Holy Spirit moved and the altar, altar was filled with those crying out to the Lord to rekindle the spirit of fire. We just sang a song at the beginning of the service of the fire. To rekindle the fire. The Lord says if we're lukewarm, he's going to spit us out of his mouth in Revelation. We need to rekindle that fire. We need a movement of the Holy Spirit. We're starting to see it in different places across this nation. Eagle Savings Nations that Dr. Hanser is promoting is geared towards this, to allow the Holy Spirit to move within our people. Because without that move of the Holy Spirit, we will not survive what we're going to go through. The times are tough. We're going through some hard times. We may not see it, but it's out there. You don't want to listen to the news if you don't want to think there's bad news out there. But it's out there. It's, our, it's not, some people don't even want to go downtown. Some people don't even want to go to a grocery store anymore. Because it's dangerous. I was just reading about a lady. She's 72 years old. But she carried one of these alarms. <laughs> I got to laugh back here because a lady gave us one of these alarms. And as she was, the guy approached the car and, and grabbed her and said, Give me your purse. And she hit that alarm. And he just backed off and took off running. So, I mean, just in a parking lot, in a nice grocery store. We've got to be careful nowadays. What's the best way to be careful? Let me give an example. My wife and I, one day, 
drove out of the driveway in her pickup truck. I was driving. We've got to pray. Just down the road here, about two miles, we hit some black ice. And within two seconds later, we were upside down in the ditch. Rolled the truck completely over back on its wheels. I had, uh, I was hanging on the steering wheel, so I came out of it okay pretty well. But she got thrown around, bounced here, bounced there, because she had nothing to hang on to. And a lady back there said, you people okay down there? This is not the first time cars have gone through this fence. <laughs> it's like the third time. <laughs> and it says, yeah, we're okay. A little shaken, but we're okay. And uh, she said she called up the lady to tell her because they had cattle in there, the fence is broken. And they just looked at it and said, ah, yeah, we'll just rebuild it. That's the third time, we'll just rebuild it, no problem. But anyway, we didn't pray. We were going down to help a 90-year-old lady move. Had good intentions. Good intentions sometimes don't mean anything. Now when we get in that car, I tell you what, the radio goes down and we pray. So when you go shopping, you go to the store, anytime you get in the car to go out, it's a good idea to say a prayer. You may not think it means anything. If we had prayed that day, would we not have hit the black ice? <coughs> we may have hit it, but I don't think we destroyed the vehicle. I don't know. But prayer, prayer is important. Now, we also hear the message all the time, prayer by itself without works is dead. James, in the book of James. But at the same time, prayer is very, very important. We need to pray for the little things. We don't need to pray just for when something gets real serious and hard, then we pray. No, we need to pray for the little things. If you can pray for the little things and see God answers it, then he can pray for the bigger things. And we've seen in this ministry many people that have come with prayer that have been either healed or gotten their life straightened out or whatever the case may be. I remember one day, many years ago, I used to, I still do, but I carried usually a $100 bill and a $50 bill in my pocket. And uh, we were at a, a meeting with a missionary and some friends, and I don't recall the details of all that, but anyway, uh, the Lord kind of told me, give this couple $50. So I reached in my billfold. At that time, money didn't mean anything to me because I had it. So I reached over and I gave her 50 bucks. That was it. She said, thank you, and that was it. A year later, I ran into this gal and her husband, and they said, thank you for that $50 she gave us. It changed our life. 50 bucks? I mean, granted, it was over 30 some years ago, but 50 bucks? and it changed their life? It wasn't the $50. It was a fact that I honored the Lord, gave to them, and He blessed them because of my honor. Okay? Pastor's daughter was in our church. She was up there crying, crying at the altar. And I, at, before that happened, I was, the Lord had showed me, you know, that I had some money I was supposed to give, not to her. But I was thinking about it, and it was 50 bucks, and then finally he says, no, it's 100. But I said, okay. And then he says, no, go down to the altar and give it to that lady, pastor's daughter. She was crying. I just reached over, grabbed her, gave her, put the money, walked back and sat down. The next Sunday, she got up and made a testimony. 
She says, I disobeyed the Lord in a certain way because I wanted to go to this conference with other missionary girls, and I didn't have enough money. I was $100 short, but I went anyway. And I was up before the Lord crying out to the Lord, forgive me for doing what I did. And she says, a gentleman came down, put something into my hands. It was $100. The Lord paid the debt. Things that you do that you don't know about, if you're faithful to what the Lord asks you to do, if you're in a store and ask someone to pray for them, you, know, someone you see there, and the Lord says, go pray for them, or go talk to them, or say hi to them. And, there's, and it's just amazing when that happens. Because God is ahead of it. He's leading and guiding you. And that's a point I want to make to you folks, Lord. Think about this. If the glory speaks something to you in a small voice, and ask you to do something, do it. You don't know the blessing that that's going to give, not only to the person you've given it, but to you yourself. And then it becomes easier and easier. And I'm looking over here. We have a Fred here who lost his wife, Mary, here not too long ago. She was a street evangelist. And that gal, I didn't ever see her on the street evangelist, but I just know a little bit about her and how she could just touch people's lives. Because she'd do what the Lord would say her to do. Go do it. I mean, if I ask in here, how many of you want to go and be a street preacher? You go down there and get spit at and thrown at, egg, you know, everything. It's not an easy task. But if the Lord asks you to do it, do it. And you will be blessed. And I'm sure there's many people that have been blessed because of her ministry. Blessed because, remember, don't be afraid to do good things. I want to close with a passage of Scripture I actually opened with in our prayer before we went to service. It's in Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Moreover, when you fast, be not like as hypocrites, as a sad countenance, and they disfigure their faces, and they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in heaven, which is in secret. And the Father which seeketh thee in secret shall reward you openly. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. No man can serve two masters. Either will hate one, and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Manon or yourself. I challenge you, as I did at the beginning of this, consider the word. What lesson do we learn from Scripture? These are some powerful words. 
take heed, take heed, and listen to that, the words. The words of the Bible can be the strong, the silent little, silent voice that we hear. It's that word. Some people say, I, I, don't, I don't hear the small, still voice of the Lord. I says, are you sure? You read the word. Do you know the word? The word will tell you what that small voice is. That's my thoughts. Because the Lord speaks through his word. He speaks through his word. Lord, help us, Lord, because we are human beings. We live in a physical world, but you said to us, you are in the world, but not of the world. Yes, Lord, we live in this world, but you said we're not of this world. Big, two, two little words, in and of, both of them two letters, but they have a big, strong meaning. We are not of the world, even though we live here. So give us the strength and ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to touch those in this world in which we live, Lord. There's a scripture that I recall. It says, if you have faith in God, you can move the mountain. There's a note in the Greek that words instead of in, of. If you have faith in God, you can move out. If you have the faith of God, you can move the mountain. The faith of God. Lord, we want the faith of, your, of you, Lord. The faith that can move mountains. We can't do it, but you can do it through us. And Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. I thank you, Lord that we can serve you in times that we are in without fear, without fear, because we know if we're living in you and allowing your Holy Spirit to work through us, we can accomplish all things. You said everything you did, we can do greater. Wow! We can do greater things than Jesus did when he walked this earth? Yes, we can, according to his word. God's word is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and it does not change. Let us always remember that, Lord. And use us, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And bless all you that are listening. Be encouraged and be strengthened and walk in the Lord. And we will see the victory. Amen. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. 
We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of The Science of Judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. 
The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.